Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you're joining me today. This is part two on the power of God's kingdom. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 to 34. And uh, just before I read that text, I want to share with you a story that Max Licato tells. And the story of a little girl who had earned enough money to buy a beautiful pearl necklace. And it's a little box that's uh, got a necklace in it. It's a little plastic necklace. Well, one day her daddy comes in and tells her goodnight and says, well, honey, do you love me? The daughter replies, oh, oh yes, you know that I love you. Well, then give me your pearls, he said. Oh, no, not my pearls, daddy. You know I love my pearls. Kissing her goodnight, he says, well, I understand. Several nights pass, and then one evening the dad sees tears welling up in his little girl's eyes, and he asks, what's wrong? Holding out her hand, she opens it up and offers her strand of pearls to her dad, explaining, I love my pearls, daddy, but I love you more. The dad accepts the pearls, then reaches out into his pocket and pulls out a beautiful, genuine pearl necklace and places it on this daughter's hand. Have you ever wanted something placed in your hand from God the Father? Oh, in order for that to happen, we've got to let go of temporal things. Let go of things that are not going to last forever. So Jesus said, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, No one can serve two masters. You can either hate the one or you're going to love the other or you're going to be devoted to the one and you're going to despise the other. You can't serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or your body about what you're going to wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? Look at the flowers of the field. They do not labor. They do not spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into fire, will he not so much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So seek first the kingdom of God. And all of these things, and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Well, today we're talking about how can we pursue the kingdom of God. Yesterday, we talked about why we should pursue the kingdom of God. And, and I want you to know there's really no better way to live. You know, one day, whether you decide to pursue the kingdom of God or not on this life, one day, the Bible is very clear that every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. And so I want to encourage you today to have an ongoing personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I said that statement, the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, somebody said, if the Lord is not the Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. And I want to encourage you to recognize his Lordship. Now, he's going to be Lord whether you choose to admit it or not. The diminishment of God's lordship is not caused by people rejecting it. You know, it's kind of like me rejecting the law of gravity. I can say all I want that if I drop this apple, it's not going to fall. But every time I drop that apple, it's going to fall. And I want you to know that the lordship of Jesus Christ, he is going to rule and reign one day. And while we're here on this earth, he invites us to be part of his kingdom. 
how to be part of advancing his kingdom. He says that when you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these other things shall be added unto you. Well, I want to ask you, are you seeking the kingdom of God? And if you are interested in seeking the kingdom of God, we are told that it begins with repentance. It begins by knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the beginning. Starting with the acknowledgement that the kingdom of God is triggered by my repentance. Repentance of my sin, repentance of buying into the whole worldly system uh, that we are part of. But it's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that begins this journey with having a kingdom agenda. So I'm going to give you just seven ways in which you can carry out the kingdom agenda. And then we'll close out our broadcast by talking about what are the benefits or what happens when I do seek the kingdom of God. So here's the first one. If I'm going to be a kingdom seeker, I must read the word of God. Psalm chapter one. David said, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the ways of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And he meditates on his law day and night. Now, I've noticed something about the Word of God. The more I read it, the more I want to read it. The more I read it, the more I become like it. So blessed is the one who doesn't walk in step with the wicked, doesn't stand in the way of sinners, doesn't sit there with a company of mockers, but the one who delights in the Word, the law of the Word, and meditates on it day and night. I want you to know, we are all meditating on something. Somebody told me one day, so I have a hard time meditating on the Bible. Every time I begin meditating on the scriptures, I fall asleep. I said, well, I want you to know that you can meditate. Have you ever been up at night and tossing and turning and you can't go to sleep? And the reason you can't go to sleep is because somebody's on your mind. And maybe you had an argument with somebody or or maybe somebody has plucked your last nerve and they are holding you captive, and they have woken you up at night because you're thinking about them, and you're tossing, and you're turning, and you can't get that person off your mind. What are you doing? You're meditating on that person, and you're meditating on that offense. You are regurgitating that offense. You are processing it over and over and over again. As a matter of fact, if you do it long enough, you will begin to despise that person. You'll be filled with hatred for that person. You will allow that person to control you. Listen, don't let anybody else control you. Be controlled by the Spirit. The Bible is very clear. If we walk in the Spirit and we're filled by the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So I want you to know you can meditate. The question is, what do you choose to meditate on? Whenever I feel like I can't sleep at night and I'm filled with anxiety or maybe I'm stressed out over something that somebody's done to me, I've learned a a simple way to deal with it. I said, now, Lord, your word says, cast all your care upon him because he cares. Now, Lord, you're going to be up all night because you neither slumber nor sleep, uh, but I need to get as much sleep as I possibly can get. And so, Lord, since you're going to be up all night, I want you to take this anxiety that I'm feeling. I found another thing that really helps me when somebody is, is stuck on my mind because they've offended me in some way. I find if I pray for that person and I said, now, Lord, uh, this person obviously did this to me because something is missing in their life. And I don't want to be stuck on that. And I don't want to be hung up on that. And so I'm going to pray for this person. And so I will fervently pray for that person. You know, one of the ways that you've known you have really forgiven somebody is that you can pray that God blesses them and you actually mean it. And then when God does bless them, you don't have that resentment tied up in your heart. Well, I want you to know as you meditate on the word of God day and night, read it every day and night, you are actually being involved in advancing God's kingdom. 
You are living out the kingdom. You are seeking first the kingdom of God. So read the Bible, pray every day, and you grow, grow, grow. And number two, maintain an awareness of your need. Now, Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There's that phrase, kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says, in order for us to be heirs of the kingdom of heaven, then we've got to be poor in spirit. In other words, we can't be full of ourselves. We've got to be empty of ourselves, but we don't leave ourselves empty. We are filled with the kingdom of God. So we have this awareness, this ongoing awareness that I need Christ in my life. I need the spirit of God to fill me up. You know, we are told to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, that's an ongoing process. It's not a one and done. You say, well, how am I going to get more of the Holy Spirit? The way you get more of the Holy Spirit is to empty yourself of you. It's not that the Spirit of God is actually getting more of us. It's that we're giving more access in our lives to the Spirit of God. It's kind of like if you're packing out your car. You say, man, my car is packed and I can't get anything else in there. You know, this past weekend, we had a yard sale at the church and and had a lot of things left over. And and we had a big box truck that came in and uh, we were going to donate this to the Union Mission, uh, all the stuff that we had left. And and I thank God for the wonderful ministry that my dear brother friend, uh, John Gray, has with the Union Mission. And so he brought a box truck. Well, we had so much stuff left over. It was packed in there, every square inch. And we said, that truck is full. There's no way we can get anything else in that truck. It is full. Well, the only way you could get something more in that truck is to take something out. The same is true in our lives. We become so packed in with stuff, right? And the Holy Spirit wants to take full residence of that body of ours. You know, the body is the temple of the Spirit of God. And sometimes we have to unload stuff, right? Get rid of some junk. Eliminate some things. So there's more room for the Spirit. I want you to know, I used to think that things were a blessing. I'm discovering as I get older uh, that sometimes it's it's a blessing not to get some things, right? And uh, I'm thankful that we had this yard sale because I was ready to get rid of uh, some things. But my garage is so full with stuff. It is packed full of stuff. I, I said, man, I want to get rid of this, right? right? This blessing of stuff, it really is kind of a curse. You know, we have something that is kind of unique in America. We have so much stuff all over Hampton Roads, all over the United States. There's these buildings that are popping up and they're called storage units. We have so much stuff that we're actually paying somebody to store our stuff because we've run out of room with stuff. Listen, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you will realize that you need the Lord in your life, you don't need all that stuff in your life, if you're aware of that need, you will begin to understand the benefit of living out kingdom living. Well, there's a third thing we can do. We read God's word. We maintain an awareness of our need. And number three, we examine the treasures stored in our hearts. Look what Jesus said, verse 21 of Matthew chapter 6. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, Jesus doesn't say where your heart is, there's going to be a treasure. He said, no, 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 follow the money. Where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So examine what you are treasuring today. What are you investing your time, your talents, and your resources in? Jesus was very clear. You know, wherever that money's going is where your heart is. Now, if you were to look at my bank statement, uh, you would say, well, that guy really loves Chick-fil-A. <laughs> You'd be right on that one uh, because I go to Chick-fil-A about five times a week. And uh, I have a son that, that loves those spicy chicken sandwiches. And so my card gets swiped a lot there for Chick-fil-A. 
As a matter of fact, I have got so many points on there. I can sometimes, I, I think about every two weeks or so, I get a meal free because I save up my points, okay? Now, as you think about your life, where's your money going? You know, if you look at my checkbook, you also see a lot of my money is going to God's church because I love the church. I love what the Lord is doing at Hickory Ridge Community Church, and I hope you have the same feeling about your church. And I know that the church is not the kingdom of God, but the church carries out the mission of the kingdom of God. Listen, if you're listening to me today and you're born again, chances are somebody from a church impacted your life with the gospel. They shared the gospel with you, or maybe they worked with you, but they were part of another church. I've discovered something about people that are really connected with the church. They are very interested in sharing the gospel. So examine the treasures that are stored in your heart. Where is your treasure going? Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Number four, you got to live a spirit-led life when it comes to making your decisions. Romans chapters 14 says this, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So here we discover that as we're being led by the Spirit of God, we have the joy and the peace of the Spirit of God as we're living a righteous life. A righteous life is a life that is lived right according to God's Word, and every part of our life is led by the Spirit. Now, sometimes we're afraid to talk too much about the Spirit of God because we see some people misuse or abuse the Spirit. I was at a church one time, and and uh, people just got crazy in the name of being led by the Spirit. They're running up and down the aisles, and and one guy was jumping off the platform, and uh, one guy was jumping up and hitting the chandeliers. And I said, man, this is crazy. I said, I don't know that this is Spirit-led worship. You see, Spirit-led worship doesn't bring attention to ourselves. Spirit-led worship doesn't lead you to be out of control. Spirit-led worship is when I'm really in control by the Spirit of God. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That means every decision that I make is based on the Word of God as I'm led by the Spirit of God. Well, there's a fifth way that you can live out this kingdom principle. We've talked about reading the Word of God, uh, being in God's Word every day. We talked about maintaining an awareness of our need, blessed are the poor in spirit. We talked about examining the treasures that are stored in our hearts. Number four, we talked about being led by the Spirit and making all the decisions that we make. And then number five, we receive the kingdom as a child. Jesus put it this way, Luke 18, 16. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So I receive this kingdom of God as a child. Now, I'm not talking about immaturity. I'm talking about simple faith of a child. Yeah, I remember my kids were coming along, and and now my kids are all old, and so I can't do this with them anymore. But uh, when they were younger, I would put them on top of the picnic table, and I would say, okay, now you jump, and uh, I'll catch you. And uh, they would just trust me. Now, that's childlike faith. If I told my kids to do that now, they they don't have that childlike faith anymore. Plus, they're a lot bigger, and uh, I probably couldn't catch them, right? But childlike faith is this trust. And I I remember my son, Tyler, he was the oldest. He'd get the end of that table and he would run and jump. And then I'd catch him, right? And sometimes he'd try to jump over me and I'd sometimes catch him over my head and pull him down. Well, he was light and he was uh, just young. He was probably only about three years old when he was doing that. Uh, And so I would catch him because he had so much faith in me. He knew some way his dad was going to catch him. I want you to know that God's the same with us. He will catch you. 
He will take care of you. Uh, Don't worry about being uh, radical and following him. He will take care of you. Well, we've talked about reading the Bible, maintaining an awareness of our need, examining our whole treasure and where we are storing our treasures. We've talked about being led by the Spirit, making decisions, receiving the kingdom as a child. Number six, have a heart of understanding and strength. Mark chapter 12, Jesus says that we're to love the Lord with all of our heart, all of our understanding, with all of our strength. To love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered him wisely, he said, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Here we see a man that was coming to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you got to love the Lord your God. All of your heart, understanding, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is more important than doing offerings and sacrifices. Now, why did Jesus throw that little phrase in there? Because I think many times it's easier to offer up an offering or offer up a sacrifice instead of loving him with all of our hearts, instead of loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. I find this is so true, especially the older I get. You know, many times uh, we'll have something happen at church and uh, we'll be doing some kind of project. And and it always amazes me. Some people come and say, well, Pastor, I, I, I don't have the time to get involved. Can I just give you a check? And I appreciate that, right? Not to diminish that. We're so grateful for that, okay? Because without God's people giving to carry out the mission of the church, then we're going to not be able to do the mission of the church. But sometimes I think we do that instead of giving our strength, instead of giving our time, and instead of giving our service to the Lord. We say, well, it's easier to give a check uh, than it is to give my personal service. So I think it takes both, right? Your entire being being sold over to the kingdom of God. All of your heart, all of your understanding, all of your strength, and then loving your neighbor as you love yourself. All this is more important than offering sacrifices. And then seven. Well, we've said a lot so far, right? Love your neighbor. We kind of tied that together with the last point. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So we know that we're carrying out the kingdom of God by the way we treat other people. So how do you treat your neighbor today? And I know sometimes neighbors can pluck your last nerve and sometimes they can get on your, uh, your nerves and, and uh, you know, it's tough to love your neighbor as yourself. But I promise you, if you will reach out and love your neighbor, God does something really neat to you. He gives you that blessed confidence of encouragement. As you bless somebody else, that blessing always comes back to me. So let's wrap up our time talking about the kingdom of God. And let's look at, well, what happens when I do seek first the kingdom of God? When I do seek his righteousness, all these other things will be added unto you. Now, Jesus put it this way. As you go later into that chapter, he talks about forgiveness. And he talks, as you forgive, you'll be forgiven. And then we get down to verse number 38. Here's what happens when we follow out the kingdom principles. Now, I've got to give some qualifiers here because this little passage of Scripture, Matthew 6, 38, 39, has received a lot of bad teaching. And so here it is. You to give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. I think there's three things that will happen to us if we are actually living out seeking God's kingdom first. I'm a giver, right? Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So I'm a giver. I'm generous in advancing the kingdom of God. 
not just simply advancing my kingdom, but advancing the kingdom of God. So I become a giver, and I learn that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. But it doesn't stop there. I also become a forgiver. I forgive others because God has forgiven me. Now, in order to be part of the kingdom of God, you've got to receive the king into your life. Jesus is king in all areas of my life. At the moment of salvation, he took up and he became your ruler, your king. Now, there's parts of your life that you may not acknowledge him as your king, but he's still your king. And I think the biggest area that we struggle with as followers of Christ is this whole matter of being a forgiver. You know, you look at the word forgive, and I'm going to do a, a topic on this in tomorrow's broadcast and throughout the rest of the week. We're going to be talking about the power of forgiveness. And I got to be honest with you that I try to be very quick to forgive others because I realize that when I don't forgive, I become bittered, I embittered, I become resentful, I, and, and, it, and it will control my life. But if I become a forgiver because I'm a generous giver, it also controls my life. And then lastly, you become a receiver, right? Here it says that men will give over to you, pour it into your lap, you know, and it's pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But then Jesus says, how you measure it out is the measure that will be used back to you. So I want to give you a challenge in the closing moments of the broadcast today. Charles Spurgeon said, if you live for yourself, for money, for fame, for comfort, or for anything else, Christ is not your king. So my challenge for you this week is live with Christ as your king in all areas of your life, every part of your life. Allow him to be the ruler of your life. Allow him to have that preeminence in your life. Now, as we think about this, being able to have the Lord first and foremost in all parts of your life. So many people misunderstand the benefit of being a a follower of the king. Sometimes people say, well, you're kind of a weird person if you're a kingdom follower. And, uh, you know, would would you agree that many people are weird? Uh, Maybe most people are weird. Uh, Some of you listen and think, well, I think you're kind of weird. Well, how many of us think that other people are weird and and we're normal, right? Uh, There's a lot of people like that. People love the idea that, that others are nuts, but I'm pretty much the poster child for normal. Well, I want you to know, if we're honest, we're all different. God has created us different. There's really only two classes of people in the world today. Those who advance the kingdom of God because they know the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and those who are advancing their own personal kingdom because they don't know the Lord, and, and, and they're driven by the king of this world. They're driven by the enemy, and they don't realize they're being controlled by them because the enemy doesn't care that you acknowledge him. Now, the enemy says, just live for yourself. And in living for yourself, you're rejecting the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. When we think about where we are, and we think about how God can change our lives. You know, as I look throughout the Bible, God has used some really unusual people. God has used some people that I probably wouldn't have used. I mean, I think about Noah. I mean, Noah, we love to talk about Noah, and he was considered the most righteous man of his generation. But yet, after the flood, after the waters receded, Noah gets drunk, and he goes naked in front of his kids. Now, those of you who went to Sunday school, you you never saw that kind of of depiction on the flannel graph lesson, did you? Uh, But Noah was a righteous man that messed up, but God restored him. I I think about Lot. Uh, 
Lot who's uh, got some friends over his house and and some people from Sodom come over and and they want to violate his, his visitors and, and instead he offers them to have sex with his daughters. Unimaginable. I just can't even think of that. I can't even even fathom that. And then later, his daughters get uh, Lot drunk and he makes them pregnant. And uh, and so Lot was a guy that God used, but God, he messed up. Then there's Abraham. I mean Abraham plays favorites between Jacob and Esau and results in bitterness for over 20 years. And and then Jacob, when he becomes a dad, he's he's got a bunch of kids and they're all like a chip off the old block. And he plays favorites with his son, Joseph, and 10 other brothers and, and, uh, and just a mess. But yet God uses them. I want you to know that if you're listening to me today and you say, man, I've really messed up. I don't know that God can use me to advance his kingdom. I'm not worthy to be part of his kingdom. I want you to know that our God is able to forgive. And he will forgive no matter how bad the offense is. Oh yeah, there's some things that you have to go through for restoration and and, and getting things right with man. But getting right with God is the first step. Lord, forgive me. Just cry out a simple prayer. Lord, I have messed up. Would you please forgive me, God, and allow me to be part of advancing your kingdom? Listen, he will do that. I promise you. So Lord, as we close off our broadcast today, Would you reach out to that one whose heart needs to be healed? That one who's got a broken heart who needs to be restored unto you? I pray that you just touch them and speak to them in a very special way. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.